Hey everyone. How many times have your friends recommended a vitamin or a treatment or some natural health awesomeness that changed their life? Probably a lot. Blue Hive Health was designed to take that friendship to the next level. On this podcast, Giovanna and Stephanie will spend time debunking myths and introducing you to the latest in health and wellness treatments, all to support you and your family. Welcome to the Blue Hive Healthcast. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Blue Hive Healthcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Giovanna, and I'm here today with Jamie Lerner. She is the co-author of the book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You. And she's one of those people that can put a fresh spin on just about anything that someone throws her way. And you'll see that from the interview today. She has a very unique and masterful ability to reframe even the most difficult situations as astounding. She is a former psychotherapist and now working in a very different capacity, which you'll hear from the interview. And I'm very excited to have you guys join in on this conversation with myself and Jamie. You'll hear that we dive into various different areas of spirituality and development. And I think you're going to find it quite interesting and a fresh new perspective on how to look at your world. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on the HealthCast today. Thank you for inviting me. So Jamie, before we hit record, uh, you were sharing something really interesting with me and you were um, talking about the fact that you're uh, a wellness or, or well-being rather therapist. And I thought that was really interesting. And I think that's something that maybe my audience hasn't heard of. And it's certainly something that I'm interested in knowing more about. Can you tell us a little bit more about your story, how you got to be this well-being therapist and, and what exactly that is so the audience can understand that more. Absolutely. Um, so I have a background in um, psychology and social work and um, I um, have always been really fascinated with people and interpersonal relationships and um, my own journey and the complications that I had in terms of the relationship or actually not relationship that I had with my own mother. And so I, um, I have a master's in social work and I went on to then to have a practice, a private practice. And I did um, a lot of psychotherapy with clients for a long time. And all along I was feeling like this was not exactly where I should be. However, my practice was very successful and I couldn't really justify dismantling it. Um, finally, I did because what I realized was that we or I was not really helping people move forward because we were spending so much time looking backwards. And that became a really good excuse for people not to move forward. So I gave up my practice and I traveled and I studied and now I'm doing something very different, which is um, the integrative approach to well-being. And that is different because it is assisting people in assisting themselves from getting to where they are, to where they want to be without having to look back too far or too often. I love that. It resonates with me personally being a coach. Um, and even just being fascinated by interpersonal relationships, I think that like we can go a lot of places with that. Cause that's been, 
um, a very early age interest of mine, uh, probably because I grew up in such a disruptive household that I was so curious on how to do relationship well. Um, but I, I love your approach and I love that you realize that you know, you know, staying in the past, talking about the past, regurgitating the past um, can often, well, we know now that that can be re-traumatizing, but also that you recognize that you, the best results you can get for people is helping them have a forward lens. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So let's dive in a little bit more of like, since you brought up the interpersonal relationships, I know that um, a lot of us are walking around consciously or unconsciously with some wounding around relationships. And, you know, my philosophy is that you can only heal relational trauma in the context of a relationship. I don't know if you agree with that. Um, but it's hard for a lot of us. It's hard for a lot of us. And what we end up doing is kind of recycling a lot of old drama and a lot of old stuff. Um, I'm writing a whole book about that right now, <laughs> um, about yeah. my old drama and all my old stuff. So it's, uh, I always joke that I have a PhD in, in how to have a shitty relationship, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, like this is a very interesting topic, I think for a lot of people. And I love that you encompass that in your holistic approach to well-being because sometimes, in fact, I've, I've, I've heard this from people recently, they don't actually think about relational well-being as part of wellness, right? They think it's like, oh, well, there's wellness, like you exercise and you eat right and you do all this stuff. And then there's, you know, mental health, but then what about relational health, right? Like a lot of times we don't put that in. So tell us a little bit more about your philosophy around that and your, your approach to that. Well, I believe that the relationship that we are having with ourselves moment by moment creating and recreating is the foundation for every other relationship that we go on to create with another. So I really like to start with the self. And what I find is that, um, or what I have found, is that um, people are not very nice to themselves. They're not very kind to themselves, and they do not have very good relationships with themselves. So um, the reason it's really helpful to identify that is because once we do understand and kind of hear the way we speak to ourselves, which I mean is not very nice. <laughs> As a matter of fact, the way we speak to ourselves is probably not a way that we would speak to another. But when we do identify that, I think it's really helpful because then, first of all, we can laugh about it because um, it is only funny, and it's quite ridiculous. Um, and then we can make some choices about if and when we would like to soften the tone around that language, or we'd like to soften the words, the dialogue, um, because I think that's where it all begins, is addressing ourselves in a way that really we're wanting to be addressed by others. That's such a great point. Um, I, I forgot to mention my other degree is in um, mastering, um, you know, self, self-loathing talk or self-hatred talk, <laughs> right? Like, you know, it's being hard on yourself, right? And I think yeah. when you're um, ambitious um, and you, and a lot of times that's driven from a really negative place, of being yeah. hard on yourself and really driving yourself. I mean, if you think of what gets driven, I mean, I, I just think of like, you know, a rider, um, you know, whipping a horse, right? Which is an awful image, but it's like, you're, you're driving something or you're driving a car, you're pushing something. 
And I think that drive sometimes comes, can come from a very negative, toxic place. And, you know, that also resonates with me as being someone who's a recovering person being hard on themselves. Cause it's, it's true what you say. Like, I mean, if I, if I'm in my head and I think if I had a friend that talked to me the way I talk to myself, sometimes we wouldn't be friends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and yet somehow it's, you know, it's acceptable for me to like berate myself or be hard on myself. And, you know, thankfully I have loving, um, you know, friends and family and my partner that, you know, will point out to me, Hey, you know, can you be a little bit easy on on yourself here? And it's, it's a great reminder, but I wonder if, you know, for the people listening that are resonating with that as well, they're saying, wow, you know, maybe, um, yeah, I am really hard on myself or I do have really harsh, uh, you know, inner dialogue. What are some things that we can do to start to, like you said, be softer, change the tone, or really just start to dismantle some of that inner critic? Well, so first of all, just to understand when it's happening, I think is helpful. And then to make the choice, even if you choose to continue to berate yourself, I think it's really important to become more conscious that you are doing it and then to laugh about it because you must understand how ridiculous it is. And it's not even true. The things that we say to ourselves are things that we have heard others say to, to us from his, you know, our family of origin or wherever that was. But to ask ourselves, like, are these things even true? And I would say 99% of them are not. They're not true. It's certainly not the way that we are addressing ourselves about these things. So that I think is, is helpful. And I think that there needs to be a little levity and that, um, of realization and you need to laugh a little bit about it and then ask yourself like is there a gentler way that you could remind yourself to be better at whatever it is that you're berating yourself about i really like that because it is it is gentle it's it just in in the very way you explained it it's quite compassionate and i like bringing levity to it because a lot of times you know, let's say we say, okay, I'm going to be really careful to not, you know, say mean things to myself. And then let's say it accidentally comes out. And then we, we go ahead and berate ourselves for berating ourselves. Like, oh, I did it again. <laughs> you know, I'm such an idiot. I did it again. It's like, well, now you're compounding, right? You're just compounding yes. insult over insult. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm laughing because that's totally something I would do. And it's funny because when, with my coaching clients, um, you know, I, I always, I use curiosity as the tool. And I like bringing levity into it as well. Right. It's just be curious about like, Oh, isn't that interesting? Like that, there I go yes. again, like doing that thing as opposed to again, berating on top of berating. Right. Which it, yeah. again, it makes sense, but then we don't do it. Right. We, we get into this habit. So I like that. Yeah. So I think that's, a, that's the, a, a good start. And also um, I'd like to ask people to spend the first few minutes of their day with themselves and to kind of hear the mind chatter, whatever that is going on in the background that we're usually very unaware of, and to isolate it. Um, because then we have an opportunity to make another choice about how we want to change some of that, um, those things that we are addressing ourselves about. So it all kind of ties in, however the message when we do address ourselves first thing in the morning or the beginning of our day is that we're important and that we matter. And that 
we are going to take a few minutes to nourish and nurture ourselves. Oh, I love that. I really love that. And I know when I was reading through all your info, you know, there were um, a lot of the information was that you have a great way of reframing stuff. And um, I love a reframe, especially in coaching. And you just did a really great one for me there too, which is, you know, doing the, the me time in the morning, taking the alone time, which I call quiet time is actually the intention behind that is that I'm important. And I think that's so wonderful because a lot of people listening, you know, I know we're probably like, oh, it's just five minutes, whatever. I've got to, you know, get ready, get dressed, go to work, walk the dog, you know, do the thing. And it's like, what's, what's that going to do just taking five minutes or what's that going to do just taking 10 minutes. But actually when you reframe it that way, and when you realize that, Hey, this is actually me telling myself, my cells, my being, Hey, you're important. You're important to take this time out. I really, really love that. That's Mm, I love that. It's a good one. <laughs> you know, and it's also a great message for your family and for your children that they oh, yeah. see that because you're giving them an opportunity to then do that for themselves as well. So, um, you know, when we love ourselves, we love everyone. And yeah. when we're not loving ourselves, we're really not loving other people. We're in perpetual judgment of others because we're projecting. So right. we're not showing up well, right? We're no, not showing up resourced. Well, certainly not. And I don't think any of it feels good. So it's a real win-win when we can nourish and nurture ourselves into connection and feel connected with who we are. Yeah. And you brought up something really great there, which is about projecting. And we're living in a time right now of high polarity, just whatever you name it, political, you know, healthcare, um, just you name it, the pandemic, the lockdowns, the not lockdown, you know, all of it. It's just, there's so much polarity and there's so much um, I'm right and you're wrong. And, you know, this is my way and that's your way. And, and I tend, that stresses me out. I'm a middle of the road person. I'm not an anti anything and I'm not a pro anything. I'm like a, well, let's see, there might be circumstances that, you know, could be different. Um, and I, I, you know, I never like to take that hard of a stance unless, you know, obviously it's something that I've well-researched, et cetera, et cetera. But I find that there's a lot of projection going on. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of, you know, uh, pointing fingers and judgment. And I wonder how much of that is, um, you know, this lack of self-care. Certainly much of it is fear-based, right? Because if you're not seeing things my way, then you're a threat to me. But how much of that do you think relates to the fact that we just, like you said, we don't take this time to tune in, to check in and to nurture ourselves? Right. And so we spend all this time looking outside of ourselves, like you had said, and pointing fingers at other people and um, having commentary about what other people are doing without really knowing what we are doing. What do we want for ourselves? Um, and I think to go back to that, because when we know what we want for ourselves, we don't really care what other people are doing. So we are distracted as an avoidance to address ourselves and to figure out who we are and what we're wanting to, what we're wanting, period. Um, this concept of allowing, where I am so clear about what's right for me that I don't care what you are choosing for yourself. So I'm going to extend you the same courtesy. 
what you feel is best for you, you do. And what I feel is best for me, I'm going to do. Because what you do has nothing to do with me. And it's easy when we do know what's best for ourselves. We don't feel the need to tell other people what they should be doing. Because we don't really care. Oh, when you're so caring <laughs> for yourself, you know, your focus is on you. And that really also frees you up to move about the world in such a nice way where you're not judging other people. That is just gold. I, I wish that I can, you know, put that on repeat and put it on a loudspeaker um, just throughout the town and all over the interwebs because <laughs> it's, we are, we're so nasty to each other, a lot of us lately. And and there has been so much inner turmoil and angst and, and anger. And you're right. Like if we can just get clear on what's important to us and where we stand and, you know, how we feel about something and have that be okay, then we're not so concerned about forcing, you know, our friends, our neighbors, and, you know, and everybody else um, to see things our way. Yeah. So that's, just that's wonderful. And I just feel like that whole concept, as simple as it might be, would cure um, the world of a lot of its polarized um, energy that's out there right now. Well, I think we'd all be feeling a lot better. And I, better. yeah, I do. Well. Yeah. I, I 100% agree with that. And like just going back to the, the projection thing, like for people listening, um, one of the ways in which you know, we can tell that our stuff is up is when we are starting to project. So, you know, for someone listening, Jamie, that is maybe like, you know, well, you know, sometimes my anger is justified and, you know, that person just pissed me off. And, you know, those people that are listening that saying, yeah, but right. Cause it's, we're human and we can't be Zen all the time. Like we try to be, but we can't, you know, for those people that are listening, like what's, what are some tools and what are some ways that we can catch ourselves projecting or catch ourselves, you know, really in that place where it's like, oh crap, you know, like here's some inner work that I need to do for myself. Well, first of all, I don't think we need to do any inner work. I think it's a lovely option and it's a great choice if you're interested, but to become aware, to become mindful, to be tuned in enough to know that when you're judging someone else, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to sit and judge so you have a choice in that moment to understand that you're not connected to yourself. When we're connected to ourselves, when we're loving ourselves, when we're allowing other people to be who and where they are, we're not judging. And that does feel good. But let's say you are in judgment. You have a choice. You can choose to address yourself, understand you're out of connection, hook yourself back up to yourself, or make a conscious choice to stay in judgment. The thing that's so wonderful is the choice. That's the power to consciously choose everything. I love that you said that, you know, the, the self-work is, is optional. Um, and the reason I love that is because, of course, I come from a world where there's a lot of personal development, a lot of coaching, and I, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with that world. Um, and, you know, the hate part of it is this idea that, you know, you're broken and you need to fix yourself. <laughs> Right. And I, yeah, no, I don't buy into that. And it, and I think it, I think it's just an old school, you know, tacky sales model, to be honest with you, that it was trying to sell the fact that you're broken and look, I'm going to help you fix yourself. Right. Um, 
And, but there is something beautiful in what you just said, because it is optional. And, you know, I grew up, I remember seeing my very first um, spiritual person mentor when I was 19. So I was not like my contemporaries. I was getting into this world of, you know, spirituality and personal development, very young. And, you know, that was just my thing. And I remember growing up when I was still very young thinking, well, you know, other, you know, if I'm going to resonate with somebody else, they need to kind of also be in this world. And I very quickly started learning that whether you think you're so-called spiritual or whether you're, you know, so-called think you're doing the work just by living and breathing and being here and having experiences, you are doing the work, right? Absolutely. So I love Absolutely. that you just said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I do think as you know, teachers and as coaches and as people in the helping professional, the most important thing is that we walk our talk, you know, that mm-hmm. we are genuinely doing in our own life what we're talking about with others. That's, yeah. I mean, in, in some ways, I think that that is essential. Yeah, there's this, there's this real, um, I think, feeling of it in, in authenticity that you know, a lot of people experience if they're not also doing what they're preaching, right? Practicing what they preach. And, and having said that, you know, even if you're a coach or a therapist or a teacher or anyone in this world, you know, you have to have your own, you know, coaches, teachers, and therapists. It was so funny, actually, just the other day, um, one of my very, very dear friends who lives in Australia, um, I was, I was chatting with her and I was, you know, tied up in knots about something that was kind of a reoccurring theme, that was popping back up again. And she's a fellow coach and, and she said, well, can I offer you something? And I said, sure. And, and she offered me something very simple. And I was, I had that moment of like, you know, the slap on the forehead where it was like, I just finished telling one of my clients this, right? So, <laughs> you know, sometimes you need the reminder from outside of you, because again, we have blind spots. We don't, you know, we don't see when we're in the muck. Um, and so I thought that was just so funny. And she's like, is that okay? And I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, thank you for like pointing that out. Um, because again, like we all, we all need that. Right. Yeah. But take it in stride. It's not a big deal. It's a moment. And then you're on to the next moment. You can make a choice. Every moment is an opportunity to choose for the next moment. And that's it. And that's life. That's all of life. None of this is a big deal. I love that because there's such, again, there's such a um, a degree of self-compassion there and, and gentleness, right? Like we're not attacking ourselves um, and perpetuating this, again, this I'm broken kind of conscious or unconscious narrative that sometimes goes on for a lot of people. And I think we live in a victim mentality and that, you know, everyone loves the victim where I think it's more important to understand that there are no victims. You know, through choice, we have personal responsibility. And then we can choose to stay in a situation that is uncomfortable for us. And the choice to do so, there's a lot of power in that. Or choose not to do so and how we're going to do that. But it doesn't matter what the choice is. The choice in itself is the power. Mm. Can you talk about that a little more about that victim mindset and, and that being victimized? Because I think I think some people still struggle with that concept. You know, there's still some people that are like, but hey, I I was the victim of something, right? A robbery or a, a rape so, or something, right? So it, can you, yeah, elaborate yes. on that a little more? So, you know, 
I think we've all had trauma in some way, but if we're able to look at that trauma from our right here now adult perspective, we see it and experience it very differently. And as a result of that experience, we have um, we've created something very special for ourselves because we probably have some superpower that we would not have had if we had not had that negative experience. So how can we look at what happened then in such a way that we are really kind of highlighting what we got from it, how it shaped us in a positive way, how it shaped us in understanding ourselves as an adult and moving forward instead of how this destroyed us, how it traumatized us, how it, you know, I, I just think that's a, a really nice way to reframe. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. And, and one of the ways that I would say that is that, um, you know, you could have been a victim of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And there's the choice to continue to be victimized by it. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the difference between those two words. And of course, you know, this, this can apply to a lot of things. And there's, you know, there's still some people that would argue that maybe it doesn't apply to everything. Because of course, we live in a world where, you know, we're perpetuating a lot of, you know, damage to certain, you know, cultures and people. Um, and yet, I love that you said there's a choice and the power is in your choice of what you decide you want to do with it or how, you know, if you have to take the choice to stay in it or come out of it or learn from it, or like you said, take the nugget. You know, the other thing is that our audience gets much smaller when we start to take personal responsibility because everyone likes a good story. They like a good drama. They like to hear, you know, what really happened, the nitty gritty. And when you step up and take personal responsibility and you tell your story in a very empowering way, your audience definitely shrinks. So that's another choice that you can actually make for yourself, you know, which feels better. That's interesting, right? Because you just look at even just, you know, the news, right? It thrives on the drama and all of the, the negative stuff. And we keep tuning in to feed that compulsion to, to get that. And you're right, if the news was about you know, only happy things all the time and empowering choices, it would be really great, but they probably wouldn't have the same ratings, let's say. Absolutely not. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. So let's go back to relationships a little bit, because you you mentioned that sort of at the top. And and I mentioned that that's sort of like a passion area of mine. Um, A lot of people, and I'm thinking of a couple of people in my, you know, inner circle, at the moment, even some clients of mine, because I do a lot of relational healing, uh, relationship coaching, um, that really, really struggle with certain key pieces in relationships. For example, setting up healthy boundaries, um, codependency, you know, things of that nature, a lot of attachment, you know, issues that come up. And and I want to explore a little bit about that and sort of how to help people navigate conflict within the relationship. And I know it's a broad topic, but, you know, dive in wherever you, wherever comes up for you. It's never about the other, ever. It's never about your partner. And that's so hard to hear because we don't know how to embrace ourselves in a way that is lovingly curious and 
have conversation with self. So we're always looking at the partner to blame for whatever it is, whatever uh, the misstep is or the moment that's uncomfortable. So when we can like gently shift the focus back inward in such a way where we're asking ourselves about ourselves, I think the dynamics of the relationship really begin to change. And I think that's where we can also begin to really nurture and nourish ourselves back to the connection with ourselves. I love we're, that. Yeah, you know, when we're connected to ourselves, we are connected to everybody. And usually when we're just connected to ourselves, we are in perpetual blame of everybody. And nobody can do this for us. Nobody. Nobody can we it's we can do this for ourselves though quite easily. I love that. Yeah, I call that taking radical responsibility. You know, like just and it's hard, right? We're like I said, we're human, we we make mistakes, we want to point the finger, it's easier to project and say it was your fault, right? And that's not to, you know, take away accountability, but it's again, not to place yourself in the role of being victimized by something and rather, you know, further developing the relationship with yourself. Like how, how am I contributing to this? Like what this has to do with me? What is that? Right. So I'm, I'm time. But usually it comes down to lack of self-care. So Mm -hmm. usually it's like, what am I needing for myself in this moment? The minute I see myself shifting my focus outward to blame someone, I refocus and ask myself, what am I needing for myself in this moment? And that's that's such a gorgeous question to ask. (laughs) It really is. It's, It's a beautiful question to ask yourself. Yeah. What am I needing for myself in this moment? That's, that's beautiful. That's gold right there. Like that could solve you know, almost 100%, if not 100% of all conflict, right? Because again, we want the other to do something, fulfill something, fix something, you know, make us feel better, right? But it's like, what am I needing right now? And you're so, so right, because every time I see a conflict in relationship, um, it doesn't even have to be romantic relationship, it can be, you know, friends, family, whatnot. There, there has been for me personally, and even through, you know, coaching my clients, like there's this nugget, this lack of self-care that we're not even realizing that we've neglected ourselves in this area, but it's, this is how it's coming up. So I think asking that question is, is just priceless because then you can reflect back on what you need and how you can fill that. And sometimes we need permission to just ask ourselves the question. So I'd like to give people that permission. You have permission to indulge in asking yourself the question. Hmm, I love that. Especially I think for a lot of you know, I'm going to say it, women listening, um, we, we tend to think it's selfish to, to self-care. We think it's selfish to um, sometimes even spend money on ourselves, right? I've had, I've had a lot of moms that have come into, um, you know, coaching programs with me. And there's this level of like, I can't believe I'm doing this for myself. I can't believe I'm spending this time and money just on me. And, and self-care, whether, however you choose to do it, even those five to 10 minutes in the morning um, is the best thing, not only for yourself, but for those around you, right? Because when you're fulfilled and resourced, then you're going to be there for your kids. You're going to be there for your spouse. You're going to be there for, you know, your, your boss, right? 
Yes, and that's why they say on the airplane, put your mask on yes. first and then assist <laughs> others. And I always that really that. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it totally does. It totally, yeah. totally does. So the other thing too is that women tend to blame the family for why they don't do things for themselves. And I am sorry to say, but that is not true. The reason mm. women don't do things for themselves is because they're not comfortable. So how can you get comfortable or begin to get comfortable to, um, to start dipping your toe into something? Just a little bit. Mm, say more about that, Jamie. Like, why do you think it is? I mean, I, I have my theories, but why do you think it is that women are so uncomfortable with that? I think that we have taken on so many roles and that um, we have, for the longest times, avoided addressing ourselves because we don't know how. So we can get so distracted taking on all these roles. And at first, I think it feels really good to us that we're so um, capable and useful and powerful. And then that turns to resentment because we, we don't have the fuel to do it all. We haven't nourished ourselves and nurtured ourselves. And we're not really in the position to be giving something we don't have. So we kind of are running on empty and looking around at all these people who are we are perceiving as needing us to do all of these things. And um, yeah, our life just becomes about going from resentment to then feeling guilty about it. And none of that feels good. And not only does it not feel good to us, it does not feel good to the people that we are serving. So it is, there's no, there's just no, um, yeah, there's no positive in, yeah. in that at all. It's a lose-lose. That was so good. And I am sure there is more than one person, woman, um, listening to this that resonates with there. And, you know, for those with that, and if, for those of you that are listening going, well, oh my God, like that sounds like me. And I want to change this. And where do I start? You know, one thing that comes to mind, Jamie is like that, you know, five to 10 minutes of me time, that quiet time in the morning. Is there anything else that you can leave with the audience about how to really start to, um, you know, put away those, those guilt demons around this? I think, Guilt is really tricky, but guilt is not something that is innate. Guilt was given to us. I mean, we have to understand that um, there's really no place in connection with ourselves for guilt. It's, it's got to be choice. And when you make a conscious choice to do for yourself, you're like a rock star. You know, your family is really going to look at you very differently. And it's going to probably be a big relief for them that you are finally taking time for you. Your misunderstanding of it is that you feel guilty because you feel that others are going to judge you when you take time for you. That's not going to happen. You're going to start taking care of you and you're going to start taking care of others so much better. Mm, that is so perfect. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Again, it goes back to that, like the oxygen mask goes on you first. Yeah. yeah. 
and, and baby steps, so right? Worth it. And you're so worth it. You are so oh, worth it. Yeah, they definitely baby steps, but every baby step should feel good. And the more you start to feel good, the more you're going to want to feel good. And then you're going to understand that who makes you feel good? You do. Not, not your husband or your children or your boyfriend or your boss. Or, it's nothing external. It's you. And I think too, um, that the people that are most important, they, and the ones that are, you know, there to stay, they adapt around this, right? Like, I think the fear sometimes is what am I going to lose or who am I going to lose? But the reality is that when you stand in your power around this and you do make these small little changes that feel really good, um, you're going to feel so darn good that if there is anyone that judges you and falls away, you'll just be like, whatever. <laughs> um, but most of the times, you know, the surprise is that people, like you said, they want to see this for you. You know, even in the morning when you're making lunch for your kids or packing lunch for a husband, whatever, make yourself a lunch. You know, before you are serving everyone else breakfast, serve yourself breakfast. When you're packing for a trip, you know, I used to pack everybody first and then I would get to where we were going. Vacation. I didn't pack a thing for myself. I'd be like, oh my God. Now I pack myself first and then yeah. pack everyone. You know, it's like, it's such a nice thing to do for yourself. And, mm -hmm. and you just have more sustenance to be there for others. Yeah, I was going to say, I have a mom right now that I'm working with. And, um, you know, one of the things is just kind of jumping out of bed and like, you know, starting to cater to the kids and, and kind of flying for the rest of the day and just being exhausted. And, and I said to her, I want you to set the alarm a half an hour before anybody in the house wakes up. And have that be your time for you to make a coffee or a tea or to make yourself breakfast or just to sit quietly. And I, she looked at me, we're on Zoom having a, a consultation. She looked at me like, what? Like, like <laughs> number one, it was like, wait, I can do that. And number two, it was like, how, how do I do that? Like, is that, is that okay? Like there was this total cognitive disconnect of like, just what? <laughs> she just wasn't really. And I said, okay, this is what we're going to start off with. Right. And I, you know, there was a feeling I could tell of relief, like uh, so her shoulders came down and she's kind of like, oh, like I, you know, I gave her permission to do that. But yeah. there was also this kind of incredulity, which was like, wait, is that like an option? Like, can I do that? Is that not selfish? And so, you know, we did some coaching around that, but it was, it's amazing how we get into these ruts and routines and we don't actually realize like, hey, we have, we have, there's a different choice here that we can make. <laughs> and if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for your family or do it yeah. for your, the, your employer or do it for your friends or do it for all the other people in your life. Believe right. me, you are going to get something out of it, no matter who you do it for, but do it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That is a beautiful place to like wrap this up. I, I just, I love that. And I think that's such a great takeaway for everyone that's listening and you know, I know we could probably talk about this topic for hours and go down lots of little, um, you know, shoots and ladders with this. But Jamie, I just want to thank you for reaching out to us and for being on the show today and um, for just sharing this wisdom with us, because I think this was a great conversation for people to listen and good reminders, you know, even for me, a lot of really good reminders in this. So thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Blue Hive HealthCast. Did you get an insight from this episode or learn something new? Consider sharing it with a friend. 
If you love the show, we'd appreciate it if you subscribed via iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and give us a rate and review. Visit us at bluehivehealth.com for more information on our programs and services. 